Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. You know, every week we try to bring you somebody who will who really you know, inspire, equip you. And today, man, is going to be one of those times. Super, super excited to have Colin Jones with us. He's with an organization called PushPay. If you don't know who they are, man, where have you been? Uh, Colin uh, was with originally with an organization called Resi, and right from the year it founded, and they really have led this incredible transformation of helping churches deliver reliable live stream solutions to churches and organizations all over the globe. But then, since 2021, uh, after Resi was acquired by PushPay, he has been with them, uh, really helping. And if you don't know PushPay, they include they have a bunch of donor tools, financial tools, and really a lot of different things to help your church move forward. Uh, today, we want to get a chance to talk about PushPay's State of Check a Church Tech uh, report that came out earlier this year. In his role, he's the chief ambassador, which sounds incredibly you know, important. It's amazing. And so uh, looking forward to, uh, to, to talking with you again, Colin. Welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Yeah. Thank you, Rich. And fun to get to talk to you again. Yeah, why don't you you kind of round out the picture there? What did I miss? It, give us the the Colin story. What did I miss about PushPay or about Resi that you want to make sure we we know about? No, I think that's great. Yeah, we started uh, Resi kind of got to a size where it's hard to keep going on our own without a lot of the tool sets around it. So mm-hmm. the reason why PushPay made a lot of sense is because of all the other tools that they have. So like the app mm-hmm. and donor management, and church management systems, and a lot of the data that comes around that. And so the the main vision of why we came together is so that um, churches could know and grow their audience and uh, and their you know congregation. And so I think like the you know we're we're getting to work on a lot of cool things like we're mm-hmm. we're working on a lot of media stuff together. So the mm-hmm. media and Resi and all of that in the app is a lot easier. And, um, that was mm-hmm. one thing from the state of the church tech that surprised me, or that does that didn't surprise me. I knew that it was a trend, but the trend actually surprised me. Um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, more and more people doing their own apps. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, five years ago, I would have said, uh, you know, because people only <laughs> do five apps, that may not be a thing. And then the other part is the analytics picture so that you can help to mm-hmm. know and then do custom triggers and actions, you know, to mm-hmm. engage people. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think you've shared it too, you know, like, like you do the flywheel model. Mm-hmm. Um, part mm-hmm. of that means, you know, you want to know and have have mm-hmm. data and insights um, to how mm-hmm. those people are moving so that you can send notifications to someone who, you know, hasn't joined a community group before and, and mm-hmm. you want them to or whatever. And mm-hmm. so Resi plus PushPay helps meet that. I like to say like Resi had the eyeballs and then PushPay mm-hmm. has all the data in the back end um, and the front end kind of tooling to mm-hmm. help them. So um, yeah, it's been a great partnership so far. Yeah, I love it. We want to uh, take advantage of the fact that you have a really good vantage point of churches all across the country. We want to uh, take advantage of that and hear more. Uh, you know, I remember pre-pandemic, uh, I remember when you were just with Resi talking about how, you know, when I really got fired up about your product from a multi-site point of view from, you know, hey, how are we going to do that? And you guys solved an actual problem that, you know, for so many churches. 
Uh, and then you were talking a lot about live streaming. And I remember thinking, yeah, I don't know, like how many churches are really doing that? We've been doing it since 2009. Uh, but like even pre pandemic, I remember thinking there's just a lot of churches that seem resistant to it. They were talking about it. Like it was like this odd thing. And then the pandemic happened. Now you and I haven't talked since then. Uh, so what's gone on kind of from, you know, this vantage point, when you look back over the last couple of years, anything surprising or any insights that you've gained through all of that transition? Yeah. And I'd love to hear you answer that too. Of, uh, and it's especially interesting now kind of that we're post pandemic. Um, which, you know, maybe we can say that. I, don't, I think Canada, Canada <laughs> they just declared it. So it's yes. been declared yes. in Canada. Yes. Um, so the, yeah, I mean, it's been a super interesting, I guess, three years. So now it's May 22. And so obviously Resi, like a lot of churches did stream, like you said, but a lot of them mm-hmm. didn't. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and would love for you to tell too your your story with Resi. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's always a fun one to hear and I'm sure it's different now, but. And then we, we enabled kind of the same problems that people are having multi-site, which is, hey, I need to get this resiliently. So people would have to spend a lot of money on you know, dedicated networks or different types of hardware. And so Resi made that possible for much lower cost. Um, and then the same type of thing for live streaming. And then the pandemic happened. And yeah, Resi grew a lot out of that period. Multi-site didn't grow very much. So multi-site <laughs> kind of stopped. And then live streaming grew a lot. Um, and now I think... Uh, Resi supports well over, I don't know the exact number, but well over 80 of the top 100 churches today, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it does give you kind of a cool analytical picture across. And Pushpay has a, a lot of the top 100 too. I don't know the exact number, mm-hmm. uh, but pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And so we do get to have a unique picture, I think, of, of what's going on at, at that level. And a lot of small ones, of course, too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, the, the interesting thing, yeah, so for folks that don't know, Resi, you know, is a... A robust streaming solution. I remember, so I started in multi-site, oh gosh, 20, it was early 2000. So 23, 24 years ago. And we were literally the very first that when we were delivering messages from one campus to another, we literally started with SVHS tapes that we were, uh, the very first iteration was we were recording S on an SVHS tape at the nine o'clock service and then hitting eject at the end, handing it to a guy who then got in a car and drove about half an hour to our first campus. That was our <laughs> solution, which is crazy. Awesome. And right from the <laughs> right from the beginning, and you know, as you can imagine, all kinds of problems. You know, the very first week we launched, like our public grand opening, our our lead guy looked green. The video went all like there's something wrong with the physical tape itself. Um, all the way through, you know, been in every iteration from literally sneaker net driving it to um, at one point we were doing satellite, you know, we've done, you know, download files, all kinds of different stuff to try to make that happen. And all the way along, we used to always say, you know, eventually somebody's going to come along with a solution that does two magic things. One prov- provides a high quality stream and does it in a robust resilient manner that won't drop because it's one thing if a you know zoom call cacks uh or if you know you just say oh it's fine we'll just come back on uh in a bit it's another thing if i've got you know at that point thousands of people every sunday you know in a multi-site scenario and resi does that and does it for what i think is a really reasonable price and so i've just been such a booster of you guys i think you do such a fantastic thing and then now to deliver that on the live streaming side, I know it's just so compelling. The thing I, to be honest, the thing I love about it is at the level of um, the volunteer who's in a campus receiving that video signal at a from a multi-site point of view, it's just so straightforward to use. It's not rocket science. It's not, 
you know, when at one point when we were literally, we were doing satellites. So we were like, you know, it was crazy. Like, it was like, this is nuts. Why are we doing this? This is way more complicated than we need to be. Uh, but having it, you know, really simple and straightforward was just amazing. Now, when you, you know, so over these last number of years, you said, obviously you saw live streaming increase. What is that? Are we seeing that like Wayne, is that going back or is hybrid church really here to stay? This I do, I would say that's been my experience. You know, the churches that pre-pandemic were suspicious of church online, uh, then they, you know, now they're like, well, that's like God's, you know, tool for us. Uh, but what are you seeing from a hybrid church point of view? Yeah, I think there's been another iteration of that too. And that's really fun to hear that story, Rich. So thanks for sharing because it's, yeah, we, we didn't quite do VHS tape, so you were before us there, <laughs> but we did do the tape. But uh, yeah, I guess God forgives speeding tickets. Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, what for when you're doing for the church only. But yeah, the, uh, <laughs> but no, that's, that's cool. And then, um, yeah, and the live streaming component, like, you know, for, I think we saw, you know, I don't know what percentage of churches were streaming before. It was, I think it was a pretty high number, like maybe 50%. Mm-hmm or whatever mm-hmm. of churches were streaming, maybe it was a little bit lower or higher. And then, you know, it all of a sudden went to a hundred, like in one mm-hmm. week. Um, yes. And then, and then I think like in the last year, you've kind of had people question that strategy. Like I think um, that first time everybody was, I remember our church, we did like free t-shirt weekend. This was probably, mm-hmm. this was in 2021, maybe um, mm-hmm. in August, we thought the world was going to come back to normal. So we did free Mm -hmm. t-shirt weekend, you know, we're all good. COVID's over, um, come back in person. And then, uh, like the Omicron or Delta or something like that hit schools closed again. And everybody's like, Oh no. And then, so, you know, we didn't give out as many t-shirts as as we wanted to. And so then things kind of went back to online and then you had, you know, the, the next kind of semester of school, um every just having a lot of kind of online fatigue you know at that point we had already kind of mm. done it for two years mm-hmm. um and uh the you know not, not many people were in the room and i think a lot of pastors mm-hmm. started blaming online like hey this mm. is the online thing's <laughs> fault and so we had a lot of that and then i think there's been a lot of acceptance around like you know we we say three reasons to stream which is front door side door digital door and now i think most people accept that those are the reality, but probably don't have a lot of energy or thinking around the growth of it. You have a few mm. large churches that do and a lot of intentional effort, but a lot that I think it's just kind of the thing about, oh no, we got to do this again and talk mm. about this again. Mm-hmm. Let's just mm-hmm. leave it, you know? And so mm-hmm. the, from the data that we had um, from the state of the church tech report, which I encourage anybody to download it, it's got some great insights in it. Um, 89% of churches employed a fully hybrid model. The way that that was asked was hybrid, in-person only, and then online only. So there are some churches who are still online only, which is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about the same amount, the way that we did the data was a little bit confusing on that um, because um, online only spiked like quite a bit. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's from from looking at the data, it's basically fair to assume almost 100% of those chose that said that they're going to be hybrid again in 2023 from 2022. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I think what that tells us is, you know, churches have figured out like, Hey, this probably is here to stay. And I can dive into the Mm -hmm. three reasons if you want. Um, But we probably need to do some more innovation around what, what's actually going to motivate people's habits. So, Mm -hmm. you know, some churches think I'm doing my thing just to get people back into the building and it's like a funnel or a flywheel. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Some churches are comfortable with people coming online and that's it. Um, and, you know, the strategies I think are different depending on, on which one you, you choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, let, let's talk through those reasons why to stay hybrid. Why, would, why are churches choosing that? Why are they staying there? Um, yeah, what, what, what's driving that? Yeah, so I think, you know, we say front door, side door, digital door. So front door is online is the new front door to your church, right? It used to be that mm-hmm. people felt comfortable mm-hmm. just coming in. They would pass it and see it. And mm-hmm. that happens a much, much lower percentage of the time than it used to mm-hmm. 10, mm-hmm. 20, however many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like the stats before COVID, and I don't know them now, but we're like the average person comes to your online church like mm-hmm. 11 times before coming to your building, mm-hmm. which is crazy, right? Like it yeah, would be very amazing. common for our pastors to, to have people come over after and say, hey, I came to Christ, you know, three months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to come in person. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and like anecdotally, in. I, yeah. in, a, in a small group that I'm in an alpha group, um, you know, and so it's, I'm just a helper there. I just sit and pray. Uh, and there's a couple who this is this out. So we're talking spring 2023. And there's a couple in this group who they, their own kind of self story is, Hey, we, yeah, we attend the church. Um, they're wrestling with what it means to follow Jesus. They would, they would self-describe as saying, Hey, they're they're kind of pre-Christian or, you know, at least early in their Christian faith. Interestingly, the husband attends in person and the wife attends online and <laughs> she, and they have been tending for quite a while. And it's, it's a difference in um, comfortability around all the COVID stuff. And again, friends, this is spring 2023 for lots of us. We're used to being back in rooms, but there are people who, you know, through, for whatever reason are there. That's an example of, you know, where I've seen that even just anecdotally in a, you know, super close hand uh, relationship. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And some of that, I've, I've heard it very common with social anxiety and as church mm-hmm. just becomes less a part of our fabric of a society, which all the data says that it has um, mm-hmm. and COVID pulled that forward. Um, mm-hmm. Just like some of the live streaming stuff that it pulled together, mm-hmm. the kind of the cultural, it's not very normal to be a part of any groups, much less churches. Right. Yep. So it's yep. like you, you're not a part of clubs anymore, or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just much less part of our society. Going to a mm-hmm. building is very, very scary. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we when we moved to Denver, we tried out more churches. And I was, you know, I'm a pastor's kid and grew up at church however many hours every weekend mm-hmm. and during the week <laughs> a lot. And mm-hmm. it's scary for me, you know, and I like know mm-hmm. people at these churches that I'm going to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's scary going into a new church on a Sunday just mm-hmm. with your family. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like, how much more scary would it be for someone that you just described, like in an alpha group, you know, who hasn't, um, so yeah, I think mm-hmm. the groups are, you know, I think that's probably where the thinking from a funnel probably went away to a flywheel, which I think you wrote a book mm-hmm. about, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and the, uh, you know, where people are coming in at different stages of kind yep. of the norm, right. Um, mm-hmm. of the invite from a neighbor, um, mm-hmm. but maybe it's to come over to their house for dinner and do an alpha mm-hmm. group and then watch online, then go to church. So I think like that side door, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah. Ask yours. And then I'll yeah. I was going to ask that you. side door. Tell, talk to me about yeah. the side door. How would you yeah, define so that? Side door is, um, so side door is people that are already in your congregation. Um, mm-hmm. and they're, uh, they're just busy people. So mm-hmm. like culture's changed. Um, there's now soccer games on Sunday mornings, right? It mm-hmm. used to never be mm-hmm. a thing, but now coaches don't care. Right. Um, mm-hmm. they're not, um, you know, it's not, it's not as much of a Christian culture anymore. So the Sabbath right. isn't as revered. 
And so this is, you know, hey, I'm going skiing on a on a Sunday. I'm going to Florida in the winter. I'm mm-hmm. uh, have a soccer game. I would love to go to church, but my kids have soccer games. I've got to decide between whether they play sports or go to church. Um, and oftentimes, which one wins? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, you know, these are very active people. Some most of the time, or a lot of the time, they're community group leaders. They're donors. They're mm-hmm. volunteers, right? Um, but mm-hmm. they're the Sunday schedule for whatever reason doesn't always work. Mm. And so they watch Mm. online. You can get them invested in your mission more. Their hearts and minds Mm. will be adapted by your sermons, right? And change Mm. and transform. Mm. And so Mm. then they're following along with kind of the heart of your church. If you do live stream, Mm. the third thing is digital. So everyone that you want to reach is online, right? So there is Mm. a digital funnel that still works, um, Mm. which is, you know, doing things like online ads, having people share Mm. um, on social media um, and to their different friends, right? Um, mm-hmm. and campaigns around that of, you know, people coming to your site because they're searching for a felt need or, you know, whatever it is that if they end up, end up at your live stream, that's where they're most likely to, you know, engage and come. And that's kind of the next step that they're mm-hmm. a lot more comfortable taking than coming to a building. Do you have a sense or did this, the study pull out um, any thinking around or any kind of framework around how churches are thinking about, what the ultimate goal is like is so um you know we we had jay from Mm. saddleback on and you know he was talking about hey our goal is ultimately with all our online stuff is to get to some sort of face-to-face now that doesn't mean face-to-face on our campus that could be face-to-face in a small group it could literally be like we want we're hoping people will have coffee with one other person who's connected to the church in there, you know, it, so it's, so how you define face-to-face is important, but any thinking that kind of where church leaders seem to be at on, on that question? Yeah, the data didn't go into it um, for mm-hmm. the most part, but I think it does tell a story um, from some of the, the figures. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the trend is that most people, a lot of people um, are wanting it to come back in person at some point so like online and hybrid is part of the mix right and the fact that hybrid Mm -hmm. church stayed um so high is like hey we Mm -hmm. value online for for different things and for Mm -hmm. for maybe the doors that i talked about maybe other reasons as well Uh, Mm -hmm. but we are wanting more in-person you know community i think a lot of churches that that i know of in my network um used to have you know like saddleback used to have like the saddleback anywhere or whatever and and i don't Mm -hmm. know if they had that or not but i think Mm -hmm. they did um, same mm-hmm. thing with the elevations and the you know mm-hmm. different churches. Mm-hmm. Like um, most churches, and some of those actually have the resources to do it really well, right? Like right. the really large ones. But a lot of the the medium, the large size churches, um, used to have programs and say, "Hey, it doesn't matter where you are; you can be a member here. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get you on an online community group." And a lot mm-hmm. of those programs and staffing around it have have paused, and it's mm-hmm. been more like, "Let's get you plugged into a local community." Or if you're in person, let's get you to come into to come into a community group or you know whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think there are still online only um, mm-hmm. applications that make a lot of sense, um, and that that's when you kind of get into to the the very strong opinions on both sides of that argument <laughs> of mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. online only sure. versus yeah. So the, the arguments I guess shifted. Like it used to be like, should we do online? And now it's like, should we do online only? <laughs> like, should yes, online only yes. be our thing? Like, everybody agrees that we should do online now. Like, you don't really have, mm-hmm. like, like I used to do a lot of teachings around this, and you have a lot mm-hmm. of um, people argue about it, right? Of like, should you even <laughs> offer online as a medium? And now yes. it's less of that. It's more like, should you do online only? Which we don't take a stance on. Whatever your strategy is no. great. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, pre-pandemic, there was a, a church I was coaching. Oh, and I've done some work with them post-pandemic as well, but they, they're one of the fastest growing churches in the country. And, uh, you know, they had a, a very funny interaction where, um, you know, this was, it was probably a year, like it's probably spring 2021. I was talking to their lead pastor and he said, you know, Rich, it's been such a funny journey over this last year. I uh, said, you know, I pre pandemic, I probably wouldn't have got up and publicly preached against church online. Like I wouldn't have been the guy that's like, that's a terrible idea. We should not do that. But he's like, I definitely thought it. And, and I would have, uh, you know, we, and strat- strategy wise, it wasn't a part of what we were doing, you know, at all. And then, you know, he said, there's that great moment there in March, 2020, where, you know, I, I see, he said, I still remember, uh, you know, it was, it was still early enough that we got, we could all get together in our office and every, everybody came together and I was like, okay, friends, you all need to get a Facebook account today. And we all have to learn how to do Facebook live today, uh, so that we can continue to connect with our, with our people. And, and now it's like, it's a part of their strategy, his own personal social media. It's fun. I chuckle every once in a while Mm -hmm. because when I see him doing video and, and, um, you know, and yeah, all that, uh, it's, it's, you know, that's been the change that's happened. It's, it's been fun to, fun to watch for sure. I think the side door things. That brings up a great point too. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Yeah. no, keep going. No, oh, the, uh, would, the social media stuff was really interesting in the data, but we could yeah. talk about it later. And you go ahead. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. What's what are people thinking on, uh, you know, this social media side of this whole piece? Yeah, so I'll read the exact stat. So eighty nine percent of churches live stream on social media today from the data from twenty twenty two, and then we asked them what channels are you planning to do in the future, um, and so mm-hmm. when only forty seven were planning forty seven percent were planning to do social media next year which is hmm, pretty staggering. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, I, I wasn't surprised that that went down. I was surprised with how much that went down. That's a lot. Um, this has been that a trend a- with churches that we've talked to, but that still surprised me. Yeah, that does seem that that does seem like a giant drop. Um, I guess are people counting? Did you did you qualify on what is a social network? Because like YouTube is a in some ways a social network. Obviously, it's built around video. But I understand the like what they're saying. Classically, I guess would be like they're not streaming on Facebook. They're not streaming on you know Instagram anymore. Um, like or they're not planning on doing that. Uh, but yeah, any kind of uh, that that is fascinating. What, what do you think is driving that? Why why the kind of shift away from a public place. I would assume what that means is they're doing more kind of their own private channel somewhere, um, you know, on their, on their own page or the church online platform, something like that. Yeah, we had a lot and it's, it's good that you brought up YouTube because I think there's a big trend towards, which is, which is great. Um, YouTube is like a top of funnel place. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So YouTube as, you know, like the short video content, short form video content as a strategy around Mm -hmm. felt needs etc. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do think, I think a lot of people threw their audiences to social media and then are realizing that you can't control them or can't control that media. So you're, you're basically giving other people your audience. And unless you're a transformation church or a Bethel or, you know, a life church or an elevation, like you're probably sending your audience to those people. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, which is great. Um, for that they're still watching faith content, but a lot of times you want them engaging with your local community, et cetera, mm. or you're sending them the cat videos or, you know, whatever. Mm. So I think YouTube <laughs> yes. works. YouTube live works really, really well for the top 5% of churches or whatever it is. Mm. Top 2%. That's a very good insight. You know, some of the largest, um, but probably doesn't for the, the rest 
um, for live streaming specifically. I think that there's still mm -hmm. other great strategies for YouTube um, mm -hmm. outside of ease of use. Like it's easy for people to go and find, which is great. I think that's why a lot of people do it too. Like on a TV, it's really easy to find it. Um, mm -hmm. But if they're on a phone or a laptop, um, then they're they're probably getting distracted, right? And then they're not mm -hmm. clicking on the give button because you don't you can't even really have a give button. They're not clicking on the mm -hmm. connect in a group button or come in person button mm -hmm. or you know whatever. And so I think that there's a big trend to streaming on your own app. Um, that increased mm -hmm. by three percent, which from thirty five to thirty eight. Um, and you know doing things like your own um, platform um, and different, mm -hmm. you know, kind of a trend back to your own platform. I think, which is kind of mm -hmm. funny because it it just I think that's pretty recent. Like it trended to external platforms like a year and a mm -hmm. half ago, you mm -hmm. know, and after COVID for a while, and now it's going back. Um, mm -hmm. I, a lot of churches that I talk to are are trying to do it on their own platform just so they can control next steps and get access to more data and um, not have ads, et cetera. So. Yeah, I love that. That's um, that's a good insight. You know, the two things I want to pull out there for us listeners. First of all, I like your distinction between you know, there are those churches and we all have them in our movement, Elevation, Saddleback, whoever, you know, Transformation that are kind of like, they're the unique super outlier church. And, you know, in my own coaching, and we've said it here before on the podcast, it is good to learn from those people, but it is a little bit like saying we're going to, if we, this was 30 years ago saying we're going to build our strategy around what Billy Graham's doing. Cause he seems he's renting out and, uh, you know, he rents out the stadium. So let's rent out the stadium next week and do that. You would never do that. You'd be like, why is that? There's and and number of those churches you you mentioned are they are just such a they're so uh, they're such outliers. They're so different than all of us. We need to look at people that are just slightly above, you know, or slightly larger than us, or kind of more, um, you know, in our kind of group. And then the other piece is this whole rented land issue: building your house on rented land, something like YouTube or Facebook. Um, the danger there is, and we've seen this, right? The um, you know something changes. They decide they're not interested anymore. Um, you know, you, that can go away if you push all your strategy just in one location, if you don't have more control of that, or to your point, uh, you know, you're just feeding them. You're just, you know, you're just feeding their engine. You're, you're literally the bit, the net benefactor of sending someone to YouTube is actually YouTube. It's not actually necessarily mm -hmm. your, your people. I think that's a really good insight. Now I did see something in the, in the report that got, caught my eye that I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Talk to me about metaverse. Uh, what there is like some interesting kind of stuff there around, uh, around that, that I found a little bit surprising. Yeah, I'll read the stat, um, and then qualify it. So 25% of churches that were surveyed planned to offer metaverse worship services in one year from when that research was done, which mm -hmm. is very high one out of four, um, which also yes. is very surprising. Keep in mind that was that this, the survey I think was done right when, you know, Facebook, Apple, and all of these companies mm -hmm. reporting like tons of spend, kind of like um, AI is today. Yes. Right. Like yes. if you ask churches right now, how many of you plan to do AI stuff? It'd probably be like, you know, a really high number. Right. Mm -hmm. And then maybe a year mm -hmm. from now, you know, it depends on how the trend goes. Maybe it's the same. Maybe mm -hmm. it's lower. My guess is that we'd have a lot lower, say, mm -hmm. if we asked the question right now. Um, mm -hmm. But that it'd probably still be higher than we think. I think there's a lot of cool use cases for this, Jeff. Jeff Reed, who I think you know well um, mm -hmm. at the Church Digital, is doing a lot of um, metaverse kind of um, cohorts with um, with a few different church planning networks, leadership network, one of them that, um, that does strategic content for them um, with Exponential, et cetera. Um, and so he, he's got 
kind of a lot of just really random, very cool God's using use cases. Some of them mm-hmm. are, you know, kind of the the church model that uses it as another campus. Others are around kind of like a use case, like, hey, we've got this mm-hmm. gamer here that goes to our church who plays in VR every day, has a large audience, you know, or whatever, um, that, you know, started a, basically a church for us, right, in VR. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. that are doing their own online churches only in VR. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's, that's a lot of um, open space that, that we don't really know how mm-hmm. it lands. And the, the connection points probably that are going there are like the gamers that are in it today. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it is surprising. I think it, last time I looked, like 8% of the United States um, uses VR monthly, um, mm-hmm. which is a, a high percentage, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so that is like a great channel to reach people at. 8% yeah. of the, the United States is a big number. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there's definitely that VR. Um, I've joked with friends. I'm a big Disney World fan. And, uh, you know, they're, they had a VR headset at Epcot Center I think it was 1988 or 1989, and uh, <laughs> it's not fundamentally different than what we're experiencing today. I understand that it looks way better. I get it, but it's still like it's. Uh, it feels like it still needs a some sort of radical shift. And I know, I know, Apple's working on a headset this year. Uh, they're supposed to be releasing one this fall, so it'll you know it'll be interesting to see what happens on that front. What's Resi's? Uh, what's your kind of thinking on the metaverse? Like I know like Life Church has done the like, you know, the campus in um, you know, the horizons, I think it's called, and they basically are streaming in, you know, a video mm-hmm. from the, you know, from from their actual, you know, whatever you call it, in real life campuses. Is is that the kind of solution? Do you have any churches that are actually doing that kind of thing today? Yeah, we have quite a few. So um mm-hmm. yeah, Sun Valley also does to to Facebook, to Facebook's mm-hmm. world. Um yeah, and I, I do think like with the Oculus like two or three hundred dollar headset that did like create like a big like mm-hmm. I remember we we had I forgot what it was but four years ago we had to put all of the kind of sensors in the corners of the room mm-hmm. and we had to have like mm-hmm. a really powerful machine running it mm-hmm. and then fast forward four years and it's just this headset you know that's all you need um, and mm-hmm. it looks way better so I, mm-hmm. I was very surprised at how far it's gotten in that many years um, mm-hmm. with the hardware requirements being that low and the cost being that low but i agree mm-hmm. like there has to be some right now the only real reason for you to go there is gaming right it's so, mm-hmm. like if you're mm-hmm. um but i could imagine like working there um doing a lot mm-hmm. of different things there and how it would be better than mm-hmm. you know components of life which is you know a meta thing to even talk about but the uh <laughs> and you know haptic feedback and all that it gets weird quick yes. but yes. um churches are doing it um often today it looks like just like a multi-site it's like you'd have you know the screens sometimes even dual channel you know like a person Mm -hmm. on the stage other Mm -hmm. times people will have like own dedicated pastor for it um and so they're Mm -hmm. there i mean there are some interesting social dynamics that are different than you know in life or online Mm -hmm. um that are interesting i think like like you can just walk up to someone and start talking to them while the sermon's going and that's that's a normal Mm -hmm. thing to do so like you could have volunteers you know, right. Getting to know people, which you couldn't do on a, if they're on a screen, you know, watching your stream. Yeah. That's interesting. I know Scott Galloway, the thing he, he is always punching on in the New York, uh, New York university professor. He's always punching on meta and like, you know, he, he has an ax to grind there and his, this, the soundbite that he keeps rolling out is, um, so horizons, which I think is what the Facebook thing is called. Um, 
is uh, his his whole thing is like let's not forget friends that Horizon today has less active users as MySpace today. Um, that you know that current the current MySpace site <laughs> yeah, has more people using it uh, regularly than you know than Horizon. So I you know I, it feels like yeah. there's something here. It feels like there's I, I agree that down the road this it this does feel like oh we're going to end up there someday. I'm I was shocked by the one in four churches thing, but I, you know I think you're right. There's probably a caveat there around you know you catch the hype cycle at the right moment and you know lots of innovators are like we're doing it we're doing it, which is which would be people that are attracted to you know talking with you guys. So. Well, kind of as we come to, you know, come to land, as we kind of come to, you know, wrap up this, first of all, friends, we've got a link to the uh, study in the show notes, you know, pick it up. It's fantastic. There's a ton, we could talk for a long time on these. Are there any other kind of uh, parting thoughts as we wrap up uh, this conversation uh, about uh, the report or just technology in general and its impact uh, in the church? Yeah, I think, I think something that I always try to offer when we're when we're doing this is like how do we how do we win online? And I think it's always experimentation, right? So I think mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know really the no nonsense guide to winning online, <laughs> or with any channel mm-hmm. um, yes. that's constantly changing, is you know experiment like measure what matters. So measure your mission, measure what matters. Make sure that everyone agrees and knows what that is, and mm-hmm. that it's very clear, you know. And then two mm-hmm. experiment. So make sure that people are empowered to experiment and that they know the boundaries there and the lines. Um, mm-hmm. And then the third is just do more of what works and less of what doesn't. And that's really, yes. you know, we all don't understand online that well. We're all trying to figure it out. Yes. It's all, how can we reach pe- more people for Jesus? And so I think, um, mm-hmm. yeah, not, not, not feeling behind is a great place to start. Um, mm-hmm. And just doing those three things, experimenting and um, everybody is, you know, uh, and in, in kind of the same spot of not understanding online. Um, and we're all experimenting together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, Colin, I really appreciate you being here today. Uh, again, we'll link to the show notes. I will link to the study in the show notes, but if we want to send people online anywhere to learn more about push Bay, about Resi, where do we want to send them or to connect with you? How does, how does all that work? Yeah. Either of our sites, resi.io. So R E S I.io and pushpay.com. Um, mm-hmm which I think everybody probably knows how to spell push pay, So I will avoid you from doing that. <laughs> and then the state of the church report is, is, has a lot of other insights too, not just online, mm-hmm. on online, but a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of other digital tools and what people are buying. And um, that I think is a great resource as well. Love it. Thanks so much, Colin cheering for you and the team. Uh, you know, you definitely got fans over here. So appreciate you being here today. Thanks for helping us. Yeah. Thanks Rick. So much rich so much. And yeah, I've loved your content for a long time and still keep up with it. Um, and love the main idea of on seminary. And this is very much in that realm. I don't think there's yes. a seminary class on uh, church online. Maybe there is now. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate you being here today. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.